Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. And we look ahead to a massive Week 7 in the NFL. What is the Vegas lead, RJ? We'll take care of business with Thursday Night Football. And let's drill in, because you've got a very interesting take on your takeaway from the Browns' victory. Yeah, let's start with the Broncos 14, Browns 17. The comeback comes up short as Cleveland walks out with a three-point win with a backup quarterback, a third-string running back, just a mash unit out there on the field, but they still get the job done. Now, is that a Texas style where you give the losing team first? (laughs) Did I give the losing team first? I apologize. Denver 14. Now, Fezzik does that, but he'll say, yeah, so-and-so lost 3-43. to <laughs> Which, I, no one on earth has ever done that no. before. It's kind of logical, because if you're talking about a certain, like if I say Denver lost 14-17, to but that's not how people say it, is it? If you say Denver falls to the Browns, maybe, like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but then yeah. still you go with the winning team yeah, first. Yeah, I think you do. I apologize. Uh, no, 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 no. But I think Maybe I'm starting something new. I don't I, know. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> That's just not going to happen. But what I think we can get in a Freudian slip there is your take, because any sane person, oh, no, let's just say it that way. Most reasonable people would say, geez, the Browns, all those injuries, their wide receivers were banged up. They played, but boy, they were hobbled. Were they even better than the backups? Who knows? Lyman out, quarterback out, two running backs out. And somehow the depth of the Browns allows them to win and cover the late number. Your take is different. I'm less enthused about the Browns than I was going into that game last night. So they win, they cover, <laughs> and you're like, downgrade. Downgrade. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Denver did not look great either. Denver's also banged up. Well, that's what good teams do to Cle- other teams. Like, Browns made them look bad. Cleveland jumped out to a 10 nothing lead and then could really do nothing for the rest of the game. Now, but I think that's 0 to 10. Zero, a 0-10 <laughs> deficit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, but... Uh, and then we find out after, you know, Vic Fangio says Teddy Bridgewater was a lot more banged up than we let on. Uh, we thought about replacing him at halftime for his safety. Uh, but, but we said, who cares, really? Yeah, let's let's run it out there anyway. He's on we, a cheap contract. We got to win games. Carolina's paying for this anyway. That's not he our. He said problem. for his safety. Well, I think for his for the long term health is what maybe, maybe Fangio's long term health. From I think not getting like gray hair and getting old. I, well, I think his long term job health is on the line as well. <laughs> But I just did not feel impressed by that Browns team, even even though they won a game where everything seemed stacked against them. Like you said, maybe it was sort of a no-win situation. Like the Browns were supposed to, to win because they were the favorites. The Broncos were supposed to win because the Browns didn't have anybody. So there wasn't ever really going to be well, someone who came out of this thing looking great. Well, I, I, I think whoever, under that theory, though, Whichever team looks great, or whichever team won, and remember, ultimately winning and losing has to really matter. I'm a winner, not a loser. I mean, you could say, oh, Ric Flair, it was a coin flip at the end against <laughs> Dusty Rhodes. And no, 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 no. He retained the title. But if both teams have a case that they could win, wouldn't that make it so the team that did win, that's more impressive? Because let's say the opposite. Oh, there's no chance that team could win. No way Houston can win this week. Then it's like, okay, so if Houston's opponent wins, Arizona, doesn't really matter. It's like, oh, of course they were going to win. But if you think both teams can win, that means the winner looks better. I suppose you're right. But like I said, and we discussed this yesterday, 
it felt like if Denver somehow lost this game to a Browns team that had no one out there, we'd be going, oh, it's See, a bad I, look. I don't know, because I haven't been against Denver the whole year like you. That's true. I mean, I think you've won, and, and I'm not sure who was on the other side of that argument. I mean, I was The entire market was. Well, I mean, I don't know. Denver they was... They went from seven and a, or eight to ten and a half wins? Well, there, there was a lot of... I guess the, you're right. The amount of action on the win total was significant, but a lot of that was driven by potential of Aaron Rodgers coming. Now, what ended up happening was people talked themselves into the narrative and didn't end up dropping it when Aaron Rodgers didn't come. But when they were 3-0, and I think most people were pretty sober about, hey, they haven't really... I mean, it's listen, you win three games, you win three games. Sure. But they hadn't beat anyone. But to me, I take the other side of this. I believe that this is a sign of the Browns' depth. It's a sign of their fortitude as a team. It's a sign of their good coaching. And I would make the case, and you've made this in pre-production, so I'll let you make it, that it says something about the value of the O-line versus skill position guys, especially running backs. Yeah, the Browns, what they did get last night was excellent offensive line play, and and it may strengthen the narrative that that that's way more important than missing a running back, missing a backup running back. If your O-line is dominant... And there's two schools of thought on this, right? There's the analytics phrase, running backs don't matter, right? And we see a guy that hardly anyone had heard of rushing, what, 160 yards or whatever. You could say, wow. And and I do believe that in the last 10 years, it's gotten more the case that there's so many elite Division One programs and so many pedigreed running backs. There are guys that are third and fourth string that are mighty good, that they're not quite as good as the starters. But man, in a given game, maybe there's not much of a difference. But if you have a bad O-line, it doesn't matter. Maybe Derrick Henry, maybe, maybe a few guys in the last 10 years could overcome a bad O-line. But you look at a Najee Harris and you think, okay, good Steelers picked him. A lot of the, you look at a movement and stuff, you're thinking that guy looks good. Good college player. Yeah. You look at his yards per attempt, it's like below four because the Steelers O line is one of the worst run blocking O lines out there. Brown's one of the best. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that impressed me about the Browns, if I am going to give some positive to them, is they they believe that they're winning this year. Otherwise, they don't send Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham out there last night. Clearly compromised. Both of those guys end up leaving the game with injuries. But they found they they thought that this game was maybe the most important game they had right now because falling below five hundred, who knows what happens? This was a big win for the Browns and they put it all on the line for Do it. Do you feel like that that it was debatable if the Browns thought they could win this year? I mean, it feels like the Browns were one of the seven or eight teams with the highest expectations coming in. I did, I but I also think when you start out three and three, though that doubt can start to creep in. Hmm, it's not going to creep into the team that you think they're going to say we're three and three. We I lost think, a couple of coin flips. We should just pack it in. I think it's not going to creep into. Well, I mean, if you're risking your your best players' long term health, I think you, you have to make a decision at some point. But you, you real quick, you bring up an interesting point: is if there's certain injuries that are painful, but they do, they don't increase the chance of. In a worse injury, 
other injuries do, I, you know, I, I'm not a, I don't know if I've said this before, I'm not a doctor, not a medical doctor, but I don't know if those, in, and you say, oh, they were aggravated or they were re-injured or, or, do, or is it maybe they weren't re-injured, they just said, you know, we can't go, you know, we tried to go, but this ankle or whatever is bad. Like, what, do we know for sure that they re-hurt themselves or, or what? Or, and with Beckham, you've got some info that you had before the game that you verified is still the case. Yeah, my... Uh, a guy that I know who works in a in a, a medical firm for or a medical service for the NFL said that he's he's talked to the guys in Cleveland and he knows the injury for OBJ is a grade two sprain of his AC joint, which is which means it's partially dislocated, and they've not been able to like fully get it back into place. So it's there is a grade three where it's completely dislocated. That's not it. He wouldn't be able to lift his arm if that were the case. But he said that's why he told me before the game last night. He said there's no way he's going to play because guys just don't play with this injury especially a receiver but he did he did so does that mean your info was wrong or that obj is just that tough i i texted mckenzie last night i said i have to give obj some credit he's a lot tougher dude in my eyes tonight than i thought he was going into this you didn't think perhaps your info was wrong i don't think my info was wrong all right i'm just saying is obj is either as tough as they come or your guy, the info was wrong. I think there's a chance it was one or both, right? It could be. Yeah. But who, listen, who knows if the Browns are uh, systematically lying to outsiders? Nobody's lying to the Texans. <laughs> <laughs> well, not worried. Yeah, what are they hiding from? Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Kansas City, minus five at Tennessee. All right, so Casey at Tennessee. Mahomes, a lot of people are saying, look at all of his turnovers. He actually has less turnover-worthy throws as PFF grades than he did last year at this point. So, though he had so many fewer turnovers last year, this year he's putting the ball in harm's way by their assessment even less. What is that? It's bad luck. You can make the case. Number two, if you look at the level of defense that an opposing or a quarterback has opposed, Mahomes is, has faced some of the toughest defenses compared to the other quarterbacks. If you stack ranked them, how tough have the D's been? Mahomes is at the top. So when you get unlucky with turnovers and you're playing really tough D's relative to everyone else and you're still scoring really, really well, don't give Mahomes any eulogy is the best quarterback in the NFL, I think he still is. AJ, you got to take on this. Yeah, the, the Titans are going to be without their top three corners in this game. Of the 184 corners that have taken snaps this year, the three guys that they have starting this week. So 184 corners have taken snaps? Have been, mean, they've been on the field for a snap this year. 184? Yes. That can't be possible. Why not? How can there be 184 cornerbacks playing for one team? In the league. Oh, okay. 184 cornerbacks in the league that have taken snap this season. Theirs rank 156, 164, and 175 in passer rating against them. These are guys who are bottom of the roster for any team. These are the three best guys that the Titans are rolling out on Sunday. Now, guys, I want us to have a nice chance to giggle. 
I want you one more time. I want you to give those numbers because you can't imagine anyone's following them, right? One hundred and fifty-six out of what? Out of one hundred and eighty-four. <laughs> and what's the one eighty-four? That's how many corners have taken snaps this season in the NFL. Not on the Titans. Not on the Titans. All right, so there's 184 <laughs> possible corners. Yeah, in the league. Some of them's on the Titans. <laughs> Some are. Okay, and now where do they rank? 156, 164, 175. Okay, now can I give you a little advice? Yes. Uh, do the math. What's the furthest one away? Like, is it 14 slots away or, you know, are the bottom 14 or what? Like, it's 184. The bottom 28. Okay, maybe say that way. All three are in the bottom 28 in the league. Noted. With that, you think, or you could do it this way. Six, seven, eight, six, seven, five, Number nine. A lot of Number numbers. Nine. Did you? We got Number a Yale nine. guy and a civil engineer. Did you follow that? I did. I I heard it before. I, I, my first thought was percentile. What percentile are they in the league? Ooh. That might be the way to do it. Yeah. I'm gonna write that down. The Ivy League comes through. All right. <laughs> Next Civil engineer, ga- quiet. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> Not often. Next game, the Atlanta Falcons at the Miami Dolphins. The Falcons are two-and-a-half-point favorites, RJ. When does a league turn on a team, or when does a betting market turn on a team? Well, they've turned on Miami. Miami, uh, Tua, you could make the case, played his best game. And I think it's fair to say last week was his best game. Coming back from injury, especially impressive. But now there's rumors of the trade for Deshaun Watson and all that. Is that affecting the team? I don't know. But here's what I know. The line in this game, the look-ahead line, so that was last week's line, was Miami plus, or I'm sorry, favored by two and a half. Miami favored by two and a half. Now Miami is a two and a half point underdog. Now what's changed in the interim? Tua played his best game. Miami didn't play great, or I don't know. How would you characterize? I mean, they lost to the Jags. Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> but it was a coin flip game. But let's agree, if you coin flip against one of the worst teams, that's bad. Right. Okay, so Miami plays bad. So I can accept a half a point downgrade for that, maybe even a point. Now, Atlanta, did they do something amazing? Did they I took forget? a week off. Yeah, and I think they knew that when <laughs> last week, right? Everyway wasn't a big surprise. Oh, look. The schedule came out earlier, but in, in the summer, so yes, so, exactly. So Atlanta, no change. You can't say you know can't say oh, we now know the rest. Yeah, we knew it last week. If you're going to give any change, they said Calvin Ridley is going to be back this week. He missed the London game. He was questionable. They said he is playing this week. Their best wide receiver back. But that's still what it what a half a point at best. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Okay, let's give it a half. Let's give Miami a one point downgrade, which is extreme for that game against the Jags. That adds up to one and a half. Now I'm going to keep this simple, AJ. That's less than five because when you go from two and a half to two and a half the other way, you were the favorite. Now you're the dog. Why? No rhyme or reason. The market's just turned, and you know what? That's usually irrational which means there's value Miami. The New England Patriots, seven-point favorites at home against the New York Jets. Okay, so McKenzie, we did some research on you know, Belichick as uh, against first- and second-year starters or second-year players, but then we thought, what is it when he plays them a second time, a third time? What did we conclude? Even better, much better, actually, against rookies. 61% overall. Well, hold on. Is it against rookies or against rookies the first time he faces them? 
I, I have both. Okay, I, I'm interested in that. Rookie's the first time he faces him versus the second time. First time, 57% straight uh, ATS. Second time, 83%. Five and one. All right, so he's only faced six rookie quarterbacks a second time in the rookie year, and Belichick is 5-1 and one against the spread. Plus nine against the margin. ATS margin. All right, so that tells you right now. They always say, oh, the league figured out so-and-so, right? And that's why usually year two, some of the weaker arm quarterbacks without the tool struggle. Here, you give Belichick a second crack at the same guy in the same season, and he's a rookie. Forget about it. I thought it was wild that this week two, the closing line was Pats minus six at Jets. Now this game is minus seven New England at Foxborough. I, I, I don't see so how that that's possible. that should be about a four-point or so swing. It is, like you said, about a point and a half? Yeah. I mean, what have the Jets done? The Jets well, won one I mean, game. Well, yeah. When you have zero wins and you have one win. The Jets have played much, much better. I mean, you see that, right? I do see they're playing better. Yeah, that's what an upgrade is, right? Okay. So they, they were, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is you might think it's too much and maybe you're right, but Wilson's playing much, much better. Uh, I mean, if we just did a quick EPA on him the last, was it two or three weeks we looked at? Last three weeks. All right, last three weeks, and he was ranked like 16th in the league, where the first three, he was the worst in the history of the NFL. So I don't know if it's an aberration or if he's turned the corner, but I think Wilson deserves some credit. And you got to wonder, are the Pats going to be in a flat spot? Because they've obviously had a lot of high-pressure games. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Come on, baby, $80,000! Best bet of the week, Hyde McKenzie. We're going with the Colts Sunday Night Football, plus four. Plus four is out there. Now, what do we know about Jimmy G? Well, we know Fezzik loves Jimmy G. That's, that's, That's the easy part. I love Jimmy G. <laughs> I mean, let's just listen one more time. I love Jimmy G. I mean, the 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 tenor in his voice, the the depth of Does it. Does he still feel that way? No. Okay. No, he turns quick on. <laughs> I mean, if someone loses for him, but. Here's what we know: He has to be pristine when he's a hundred percent, and the wind's not blowing. He's fine, but boy, you get a little twisted ankle, gets a little bit of grass in his eye, you know, like from the field. Oh my, do things plummet. And Jimmy G's coming off an injury. So odds are he's not 100% healthy. And I really believe that hurts Jimmy G more than the typical quarterback. On the other hand, you've got the Colts who have Wentz last week was his best quarterback grade ever at PFF in his career. I mean, I'm talking back to this MVP year he supposedly had. The Colts are a team, the record is poor. But they are surging. And this is an example of we're going to be a little bit ahead. It's easy to say, oh, look, the Colts are hot. If the Colts win this game, everyone's going to say the Colts are hot. We're going to say a little early. We're ahead of the curve here. Best bet. And I don't like Wentz generally. Best bet, though, Colts plus the four Sunday Night Football. What do you think of that pick? I like it. 